today on CityCast Denver. We've been talking about it all week. Thousands of King Supers workers went on strike Wednesday morning, and they are still out there holding the line. So Paul and I went to our local Kings to hear from the workers and whoever else we could get to talk to us. Today is Friday, January 14th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Okay, so we're at the King Supers that I shop at at Alameda and Wadsworth in Lakewood. It's uh, it's hard to tell on a Wednesday afternoon if business is slower than usual because it's kind of a downtime for shopping. And we're going to talk to some King Supers employees who are currently on strike. Hey, Bree. Hi, Paul. Hey, so we... Uh couple days ago, we went out to uh, your King Supers. Maybe before we hear from the strikers, you could just give the listener a few more details about what the scene looked like. I think people are curious. Yeah, I think when we were talking about this earlier, um, I think about what we think a strike looks like. And because this is like thousands of workers across dozens of stores, it's not this like huge momentous scene. It's it's really folks that work at the store, a handful of them, you know, maybe a couple dozen, just kind of parked outside, um, waving at people and trying to get you to support them. And they're handing out information. They We weren't allowed to talk to anybody except for the union reps. So that was kind of interesting. But um, it, I don't know. It, the energy is not the same as you expect, but I think I realized that was like a media created or movie created thing I was expecting when this was just people outside of their job trying to get us to hear them out. Yeah. Xander was really excited to hear chanting in the audio and there was just there was no chanting, unfortunately. There was none. <laughs> there might have been at some more busy stores, but um Yeah, different kind of strike. Yeah. Uh so let's hear first from uh John, that union rep you mentioned, and then uh we'll be hearing from James, who is just a citizen who came out in support, and Nick, the assistant store manager at King Supers. Hi, are you the union rep? Hi, my name is Bree Davies, and I'm from a local news podcast called CityCast Denver. And I, we just came down to talk to some folks about what was going on. So, so. we're in the strike zone right now because of unfair labor practices. Example being, you know, bringing in temporary workers, things like that. Um, How long do you feel like it's going to last? Because it sounds like you're there seems to be at an impasse. I, I mean, I'm just right here at the store, so it's hard for me to say what's going on behind the scenes, okay? so. Sure, sure. So what are you trying to relay to the customers? Because obviously it's kind of this tense situation where they're coming in the store. Yeah, you, so you've seen the pamphlet we've held, you know, we've handed out, and so we just want them to be enlightened about the situation. You hear that right, right there? Okay. They're backing us. They understand where we're at. You know, with unfair labor practices and we're looking for higher wages and better coverage on health care. I mean, that's all natural for any company that you work for, even yourself. How can customers support you all right now? Uh, some have coming in saying we support you. They'll go in and buy what's necessary. Others will, once they're informed at the door, turn around and leave. Uh, we've had 
people be peeping their horns too. I mean, they see us out there, they just drive by, they don't pull in, so. How long have you been with King Supers? I've been with them for eight years. I came in from New Hampshire, uh, worked for supermarkets there as a meat manager, so um, they were all non-union. So when I came here and was introduced to union, after observing everything, I found that a union needed to be occupying this here. I'm also thinking about, I mean, the job that you do is, is skilled labor. It's not necessarily, you know what I mean? We need people that know what they're doing. So how does that feel to you that they're bringing in scabs to do that? Um, my position there is skilled labor, like you said, and um, I just feel bad for some of the other departments. You can't just bring in a meat cutter from anywhere now nowadays. Uh, you know, they scoffed me right up when I came here and wanted to work for them. So, But it's... It's because of the wage levels that we've fallen behind over the years that we aren't as competitive to try and get the skilled people we need. And so that's sort of part of what this strike is about, right, is to get better wages to get those folks. Correct. <laughs> oh, is this guy coming around again? <laughs> Making a second round. Hey, that's great. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, John. So first of all, could you tell me your name? James. So James, uh, what brought you out here today? Well, in support of the workers of Kings, um, I'm out here. I'm usually around this area constantly, so I know every single worker that works at this store. And as far as I'm concerned, Kings can, you know, until they get this under control, they have lost my business. Um, because I've seen this, I've seen how Kings treats their employees. They don't treat them worth diddly. Um, and I, my opinion is everybody, until they get this under control, they need to shut King Supers down. What have you seen in, that makes you feel so strongly? I, I've seen how, you know how employees get treated. I've seen how um, they want them to work until closing, which is midnight, but they don't pay them but pennies on the dollar. And another thing too, they also discriminate against wheelchairs because I tried to get hired on, but because they said, because I'm in a wheelchair, they can't hire me. I felt that was worth striking over. So, um, I'm just out here in support of the uh, workers. Now, we're out here, we've seen uh, a few other people go and we've seen customers walk in, walk past the strikers. What would, you, what would you hope those people understand about what's happening out here? I hope they understand that, um, that they're going to get less service until they, get, uh, until they get this under control because management is the one that's controlling everything in there. So. It's going to be longer lines and a lot longer, um, a lot longer wait period because everybody is out here in support of the workers. So I hope that they they realize that there's Walmart, there's Safeways, there's you know they can go other places. I don't understand why they have to go to Kings and, until this gets under control. So. 
Excuse me, sir. Hi, we're a couple of journalists uh, covering what's happening out here. Do you have a second to talk? Uh, depends on what you need. We're just asking people how they feel about what's happening. Can't really comment too much on that. Okay. We'll start with something easy then. Can you tell me your name? Nick. So Nick, what brings you out to King Supers today? I'm an assistant store manager. I'm just helping here. So how do you how do you feel about the the strike? I mean, it's their right to strike. Um, hopefully, they can get it over soon. But we just have to see. So what? To, so you you work for King Supers? You're here working? Mm -hmm. Yes. So do you so you do you understand why they're doing it? Like the unfair labor practices they're talking about? <laughs> so the unfair labor practices are in reference to um, King Supers hiring like temporary labor workers to come into the stores and help. Mm -hmm. um, and they're calling it, the union is calling it a breach of contract, um, but it's really not. It's actually in their contracts that they can bring in people like this. But maybe it doesn't feel good. True. I can see from their point of view, like I said, it's their right to strike. So, yeah. Now we've heard some stuff about King Supers and like the the unfair labor practice, some of the details. I was reading this morning about um, like a food bank type thing. Like a, there's there's rooms in some of these King Supers where people can donate food to other employees who maybe can't afford to like buy lunch for themselves on shifts. Is there? Have you heard of anything like that? Most King Supers do have something like that available. Um, it's like a food pantry or a food bank, um, they just kind of keep it upstairs in the break room for them. So there's usually just like snacks, kind of like simple, easy prepared meals for them. That way, like, like you were saying, if they can't afford it, there's something available for them. So you're managing people in the store. Have you heard from your employees stories about people like struggling to get by? I don't work at this store normally, so I'm just down here helping out. Um, where I'm from, no, no, not normally. I don't really got nothing I've ever heard of before. What do you think our listeners should know that they wouldn't hear from the strikers? I would listen to both sides of the story, you know, um, not just what the union's putting out there, but what our president is putting out there too, Joe Kelly. Um, just be informed on the facts and, you know, make your decision for yourself. Okay, well, thanks, Nick. Appreciate your time. Well, Bree, when we uh, when we drove away from King Supers that day, what were you feeling? It just I, I started thinking a lot about the role of the grocery store in our community, and um, mm. I've grown up a, a King Supers shopper my whole life. Like my parent, we didn't go anywhere else but Kings, and I was thinking about how they employ people of all ages. That's something that you rarely see in a lot of workplaces. Generally, the demographics represented are a lot of the same. And at the grocery store, you see every kind of person. Yeah, it's a lot of people's first job. It's a lot of people's last job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's some people's only job. And also that job stability was something I thought about, seeing the same people working at my grocery store for decades. Uh, so I, that just really, that point was sort of driven home for me when we started talking to the folks or seeing, at least just seeing the people at the grocery store. I want to hear what you think about that Nick guy in particular, the assistant manager, and what he said about the the food pantry thing, because that was a detail from the reporting around this that really, really stuck out to me. 
I'm like shaking my head in just pure frustration and annoyance that I have had that manager before, that that kind of personality is for some reason put into a position to manage other people. Like I, I was just, I was appalled by his um, lack of any emotion whatsoever about what was happening at his work. Um, And that to me, like him being like, yeah, I mean, maybe we have food pantries for our employees. Like, to be fair, he's in management. He's not going to say this fundamentally speaks to how underpaid our folks are. But I don't know. I just wanted to (laughs) I wanted to walk away from that guy. I was so frustrated and like angry for the other employees. Someone has to report to you and you don't even seem like like are you checked in today guy I don't know oh a person I came from retail of 15 plus years almost 20 years in customer service that guy was my nightmare manager (laughs) um but specifically the thing about the food pantry like he said that that was something that exists at most stores but that he at his store he he's doesn't hasn't seen anybody that has witnessed food insecurity lying why do you say he's lying what what magical store does he work at that the that he's not feeling the impacts that every other store seems to be feeling based on some survey information that we read recently we'll talk about but like what what about his store makes it special i don't this is a large corporation they don't do things these are not individually franchised stores there's not something special happening at his store that's not happening at these other stores and if employees are saying they have a food bank set up for us in our break room? Come on, man. Yeah. Well, tell me about the survey. Yeah, so there was some reporting on this survey that was funded by the union that's representing these workers at the grocery store right now. And it was performed by a nonprofit research group called the Economic Roundtable. And it was a survey of uh, Kroger and King Supers and City Market employees. And there was some really startling stuff in here that uh, data that backs up what we've been hearing from the union um, about what's going on here. And uh, one of the things that was striking to me was 14% of Kroger workers are now homeless or have been within the past year. That speaks directly to this argument we seem to have over and over again about our houseless community members is that they need to quote unquote get to work. We have folks that are working and they can't afford to live here. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about the, the Queen Supers in uh, Capitol Hill. Like, if you're making $16 an hour, the starting wage, which, well, what would be the starting wage based on their the company's most recent offer, how could you possibly afford to live anywhere close to Capitol Hill? Absolutely. It, just, it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. Well, and it, it again, it's like making me think about a different picture of Denver when I lived in Capitol Hill in the late 90s. A ton of my like the the folks that the workers that I interacted with at the King at Queen Supers when I went there lived in my neighborhood, lived in buildings right near me, and that has changed a lot. And again, um, I don't know. That's where we talk about community and what it means to work, literally work in your community and be around the people that you see on the street every day. I don't know. That's all just part of being a human and living in a city that I think is lost sometimes when we talk about uh, housing issues. Yeah. Well, I have to say one thing. Um, Nick encouraged us to listen to both sides. 
Um, and we have not really featured much of what the company has been saying on our show this week in our coverage of the strike. So I, I wanted to correct that. I pulled a couple of statements and a couple of uh, uh, numbers from the company's most recent offer to the union. Uh, so here's one. King Super's president, Joe Kelly, said in a recent statement that the UFCW Local 7 is, quote, putting politics before people and preventing us from putting more money in our associates' pockets. Uh, he's obviously referring to their most recent offer, which was $170 million over the next three years, which would include wage increases and something called ratification bonuses for all associates. Um, I don't really know what that means. And that like big number divided by a lot of people, kind of hard to understand what that would be. But according to the Colorado Sun, the new offer would pay a full-time checker with five years of experience. It would increase their hourly rate by $1.50 to $21.01 per hour. And that same checker's wage would increase to $22.61 per hour by 2024. So, I don't know. I mean, that is more money. Yeah, but is it enough to live? I mean, that's when we get down to it. Something else I think about with this conversation about the strike and the union and King Supers in particular is this is a picture, a local picture of a larger problem. Like we have not seen wage increases across industries for a long time. So hopefully that's something that maybe will get the ball rolling in other in other industries, too. It's like it's just not enough. And unless we can tackle things like housing costs and the cost of transit and these other basic things, other industries are going to have to get with it too. We cannot, we, people cannot sustain on the wages that they currently are trying to, to live on. And I don't know. It's just to me, it's just a, it's a smaller picture of a larger problem. Well, we got one more thing for you all today. Um, Brie, after you and I left your store, I was feeling curious about the people who worked at my store. So I stopped by my local King Supers. Same same scene there. Various people standing with signs, picketing. Is this the one on, is this on Leedsdale? Monaco. Monaco and, okay. Mm -hmm. The corner of Leedsdale. Totally. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's getting a picture. Yep. Uh, I didn't actually recognize any of the people that were picketing outside my store. I don't think it was... Maybe it was people who work different hours than I normally go, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the story was there. But I did recognize the strike captain that they directed me to to speak with. Uh, it turns out he's a, sort of a friend of a friend, uh, someone I know secondhand through J.D. Lopez, who's contributed to CityCast in the past. He's a stand-up comedian named Andreas. That's how I know him. But turns out he's also been a King Supers employee for 12 years. And uh he was out there leading leading this group of strikers. So we're going to hear my conversation with Andreas. My name is Andreas. I'm the strike captain for this store, uh, King Supers 10 at uh, Monaco, 890 Monaco. Uh, we're out on an unfair labor practice strike. Do you know what that is? Tell me about it. So an unfair labor practice strike, uh, unlike a regular strike vote that the union members are accustomed to, uh, we went to go out. We got to go out because we voted on it due to the fact that the company was uh, giving our bargaining work to uh, outside people that weren't in the union. So they're giving it to gig workers. I think they, some people call them scabs. Scabs, yeah. Well, these guys were just temps that uh, didn't know. The guys in the store right now are indeed scabs, yes. <laughs> How does that feel knowing someone's in there doing your job? 
honestly, it's kind of dumb, you know, because we're here ready to work. We want to work. It's never been an issue of not wanting to work, but we're not getting uh, we're not getting the proper you know protection and respect from the company right now to be in those stores, and it and it's messed up because they're paying those scabs in there eighteen dollars an hour, and with a straight face telling people that sixteen dollars an hour starting is you know is the best deal ever. That's and that's insane to me that they can tell us you know they're gonna pay eighteen dollars so they can try to trick us into taking sixteen dollars at the bottom. Uh, when minimum wage is only 13 cents less than that. And then on top of that, you know, that's for just the new guys. I'm, I'm vested. I got almost 12 years with the company. Uh, you know, and at the, for me, I think they're only asking to go up maybe $1.50 when wages haven't really gone up much at all already. So we're already behind. So for them to be paying people more so that they could pay us less later is an insult. So you said you've been doing this 12 years? 12 years in March, yeah. What, uh, what, what's your role? Currently, I'm a front-end supervisor, so I'm the guy that you talk to uh, in the front you know, when the coupon doesn't work or you want to do a return or what have you, and I manage the front-end. So my most of my job is uh, customer service. Huh. So how have the last two years been compared to the previous 10? <laughs> the opposite of a cakewalk, you know? <laughs> It was uh, it was rough. It was really rough, you know, because uh, you went from being kind of staffed. That's some support for the listeners there. But yeah, we went from being kind of staffed to not being staffed at all, and we went from being heroes to not being anything at all, and we went from being just grocery store workers to heroes. We had a lot of role changes over the past two years, you know. We went from being like the greatest thing on earth. Which I think was a bit of a stretch, but I mean, we were the only thing you could go to for a while. I don't know if you remember, but yeah, everything was closed except the grocery store because the grocery store was essential. I mean, it was like entertainment for me and my wife. Every week we would come here, we would look forward to it. Coming just to like see different colors, be in a different space. Yep, it was just to be kind of social for a little bit, to have, to feel some sense of normalcy, you know? And that wasn't exactly safe, you know? We weren't exactly, I don't know if you remember how safe a grocery store actually really was. We didn't get those plastic guards at King's at least until well into months. People died before we got those guards in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's another problem is with the safety with this place. Everything, something bad always has to happen instead of just listening to us, the people that are in these buildings for 40 plus hours a week, asking you, this is what we need to have this job be safe for us to be in this building without being worried of getting hurt during one of those 40 hours plus, you know? I see a lot of customers coming in and out right now. How does that feel, looking at people who you've served over the last two years just walk right past? You know, unfortunately, you're not going to get everyone's, uh, you know, solidarity and not everyone's going to support what you're doing. Some people, if it doesn't personally affect them, they're never going to, you know, care either way and they're going to be out and they're going to do what they want to do. But we have had customers, you know, you heard the honking earlier. We got plenty of people coming out at the same time, you know, telling us they support us, telling us just stopping by just to tell us, hey, I'm not going inside. I think you should be fighting, you know. I think we have a very strong community support going on right now. Obviously, people, there's people that are coming in and, and asking for forgiveness while they do. They're like, hey, man, I didn't get a chance to shop before this all went down. I swear this is the last time I'll be in here till this is over, you know. So, you know, people got to do what they got to do, and, and we respect that, but we are very appreciative of all the support we have gotten already. Well, Andres, because we have this weird personal connection through JD, yeah. I know that you're a stand-up comic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is there anything funny about what's happening here? I haven't been able to write a joke about this at all. Do you know how <laughs> do you know how mad I have to be to be so mad I can't even like take anything fun out of this <laughs> right now? 
I write jokes about all sorts of silly things, and I find this serious, it has to be, you know, because as a comic, you're, that's one of your goals is to make everything relatable and find the, the truth that makes it funny. And right now, man, the truth is not funny. The truth sucks. When it's over, yeah, maybe I'll have a new, you know, new couple minutes on it. Hopefully it's more than that because I got the gray hairs and, you know, the loss of hair that I've, I've aged. I've aged doing this fight, man. I'm not going to lie to you. Tell me about it. Why? I don't get ID'd at the bar anymore, for one, and I really thought I looked younger than I did, but that's a lie now, you know. That changed ever since I started working on this. But it's been a lot. It's been a lot going to those meetings, to those bargaining, because we have open bargaining. Not many unions have that. Not many people get to see open bargaining. What, is that, what does that mean? I've, so I've... The, members, the members of Local 7 are allowed to sit at the bargaining table, you know, in these conference halls with the company. So you'll have uh, 25 board members that are here discussing the contract, looking at the contract proposals. You have the actual directors and the president of the local on one side, and you have the lawyers and maybe one or two representatives of Kings on the other side discussing a contract and going through proposals with each other. And the members get to see firsthand, if they choose to go, they get to see firsthand what is being said about their contract on both sides. And I will tell you, if you go and you see it yourself live, the company seldomly ever says anything that is in support of the worker. And I think if more people came out to those, you know, I think we'd have an even bigger influx. And instead, you know, people just have to live it now, which is a little crazy. But next time I say if you've ever been in a union and they offer you the chance to go to open bargaining, please go. And I think that would change a lot in this world. Hmm. To just to look someone in the eye uh-huh. and consider their proposal. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, to hear someone tell you why they don't think you deserve, you know, a safer space and what their logic is on what a safe space is. And to hear someone tell you why they think they deserve the wages you deserve instead of the wages you think you deserve. And, you know, and, and yeah, yeah. Go see it for yourself when you get a chance, if you ever join a union. Does anything specific jump out from that open bargaining process you remember? Yeah, uh, we were asking for more security in stores after the Boulder shooting. And uh, they looked at us with a straight face and said, well, we don't want to put cops in the stores because cops have an 18% accuracy rate when they fire their weapon. So that was their logic. That's what they threw out as a, as like, oh, yeah, you know, cops really don't really hit their targets very often. You don't want a cop in your store in case something goes bad. I don't know what to make of that. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty quiet room. If it was anti-comedy, it would have crushed, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Um, One point that I've been talking to people about, for me personally, the stores aren't safe necessarily in a security way. They're also not safe in a sanitary way. We're so understaffed right now, we don't have enough people doing maintenance at all hours of the day. Right now, I bet there's not even, you know, one. they've had one real maintenance person all day during this strike. So I don't know what that restroom looks like right now. Because I could tell you at a regular store, most of the time you're lucky if you have one eight-hour shift. The store's open from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. That's more than eight hours last time I did the math. You know what I mean? So that means as soon as that person leaves, that's, that restroom is left to its own devices. And anything can happen and everything does happen, you know? What kind of scenes have you walked in on? Oh, I've had a waffle stomp stuff, you know? <laughs> You're talking about, like, shit? Yeah. Yeah. You see all sorts of crazy stuff in a restroom at a grocery store. And if you haven't, I am really glad that you've never had to use a grocery store restroom, you know? Yeah, I feel like a lot less of that stuff would happen if we were properly staffed. And the only way to get properly staffed is to properly pay, you know? Yeah. 
I, I want to hear about how this is affecting you, you personally. Like this going on strike, not doing your job, coming out here and standing in solidarity with your coworkers instead. What does this mean in your life? Uh, I mean, the line was made in the sand. Obviously, you know, like if you're a member and you're crossing right now, I it's going to be hard going back, you know, because there's always going to be people that cross the picket line, unfortunately. This isn't going to be a 100% thing. There's going to be people that have, you know, their own life choices to make. Some of them make sense to me if they say them out loud. And other ones, I'm like, that ah, just sounds like uh, you didn't want to be out on a picket line, man, fighting for this. You know, and uh, yeah, I feel like I'm losing friends over this when it's all over. Once the dust settles, I'm more pro-union now than I ever was before. I'll tell you that. You know, watching this all unfold, it was like, yeah, if we didn't have a union, they would have trampled all over us. You know, and there's so many things that we wouldn't have if we weren't, you know, a union. So, like what? Give me an example. So right now, the company can't. The company cannot give you short rest. So they can't have you working you know, your shift and then come back less at least eight hours. If they do, they got to pay you time and a half. We wouldn't have that without the union. So, you know, there's incentives to being unionized. We get to fight for stuff like that so that you can get, you can have a life, you know? So we do all these things that we do our own personal preventative measures to prevent the company from being able to abuse us. And that, and that's, and the way we do that is by affecting them with money, you know, because nobody wants to spend time. Nobody wants to pay time and a half for regular work. So, you know, we, st we do all these things that you're like, well, if we're going to do that, you got to pay us time and a half. So then they try their best to not make that happen, you know, and they're trying to get rid of a lot of that kind of stuff so that they can do that. And they can use this however they want, you know, split shifts and and, uh, you know, short rest overtime. So they want to they want to be able to make you clopin and not have to pay for it. So by short rest, just so I can make it sure that I understand, that's like if your shift ends at midnight, they couldn't just tell you your next shift starts at 8 a.m. Yeah, well, as a, yeah, well, they they can't tell you your shift starts at 5 a.m. You know, anything anything before 8 a.m. you shouldn't be working, and if you're going to be working at that time, that time is time and a half. Right. Okay. Okay. I want to know if there's any part of you that can see it from the company's perspective. Yeah. Like they they're going through the economic downturn that the rest of the country is. You know. They made, they made money hand over fist though on us. That's the problem. You know, if things were really bad. I'd get it, you know, if they didn't, if they were also hurting, but they're not. They did like a billion dollars in buybacks, in stock buybacks, and, and they're giving out $20 million bonuses to people who got to stay home while, you know, we had people actually die. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense. So we're fighting for, you know, we're fighting for safety. And I think when a company is making that much money and still not, and telling people that 13 cents above minimum wage is a raise, something's not right. And I don't feel bad for them, you know, and I don't feel bad for being out. So, I mean, I get it. They're a business, and businesses are meant to make money. But there's a limit, and they passed it. Well, Andres, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Tell JD I said hi. <laughs> no, you will, man. I'm out here. I haven't been able to do an episode with them in, like, months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were Paul Caroli and Alexandra McMahon. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter. Our music is by Los Mogochetes with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren, plus more from the Epidemic Sound Library. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at CityCast Denver. 
and tell a friend about us next time you see them. You can sign up for our daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. Bye-bye. Um, <clears throat> I also loved he used a retail uh, restaurant term, clopin. I did not know what that, what is clopin? So when you work a clopin, it means you close and then the next morning you open. Oh. And you're not supposed to, like he was saying, work clopins unless they're going to give you time and a half. Huh.